What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and every Wednesday night, I go through and I update my rest of season rankings on the Patreon. You can find that on patreon.com slash ronstewart. There'll be a link in the description in the comment section down below. But I figured it'd be fun to make a video this week where we compare my week four rest of season rankings to my week five rest of season rankings and see who the biggest movers are because I think it's worth talking about players that I feel differently about than I did last week. Uh, a lot of these guys I didn't touch on in the top 10 lessons learned video, and I think it would just be good to sort of talk through about how I'm viewing these players moving forward. So today we're going to talk through six players that are skyrocketing up my rankings in week five, or my rest of season rankings in week five. So with that being said, if you enjoy Michigan down below, subscribe, leave a like, let's go. Now, I do want to say we're dressed to impress today, uh, so make sure you check out Underdog Fantasy. We are in the complete Underdog Fantasy gear here. I don't know. It, I, I said it yesterday. It's warm in Jersey, and this is like a really thin, breathable shirt, so we're rocking with it, but it's Thursday, the day that I'm posting this video, which means we have the Thursday night game, and on Underdog Fantasy, you have the Pickums. The Pickums, they pretty much come out with projections for each player, their rushing yards, fantasy points, touchdowns sometimes. Across the board, they have projections, and you can guess higher or lower on them. And I believe if you get two right, it's 3xing your money. If you get three right, you use 6x your money. Four right, you 10x your money. Five right, you 20x your money. It's a really fun thing to try on Underdog Fantasy. And every single primetime game, they are giving out a free special where Justin Fields all he has to do is get higher than 0.5 total yards and boom you already get one pick correct on your slip so make sure you check that out use promo code Ron they'll match your deposit up to $100 you can find the link in the description in the comment section down below to try out pick them today now when we talk about the players that are moving up my rankings skyrocketing up my rankings first up we have Jonathan Taylor now I do want to say week four he was my RB12 rest of season week five is my RB9 so really just a three point or, or, or three spot jump he's not necessarily skyrocketing but I do want to talk through Jonathan Taylor we didn't really get to touch on him in the 10 lessons learned video we didn't get to talk to, about him in waiver wire trade targets or anything so I do just kind of want to touch on how I feel about Jonathan Taylor moving forward because I imagine he is a hot topic right now right where he gets activated off of pup he's a full participant in Wednesday's practice now to be fair Wednesday's practice was a walkthrough so that doesn't mean he's fully ready to go from his injury or whatever but it does mean that he's not holding out or anything for a trade right like he's participating in practice and being a part of the team which is a good thing he seems on track to play in week five right now which is really really exciting for Jonathan Taylor so I kind of just want to talk through if you have Jonathan Taylor what to value him as moving forward and for me again RB9 he's right behind Kenneth Walker as like a mid-range RB1 rest of season a guy who doesn't have the best pass catching upside in the world but is one of the best pure runners in the NFL in a really weak running back landscape in fantasy football now when we talk about Jonathan Taylor and his holdout risk or his trade risk it seems like he's mended his relationship with the Colts this is a beat reporter for the Colts Stephen Holder there's been a significant shift in the rocky relationship between Jonathan Taylor and the Colts he says what's unclear is what it means for the long term but for now the change has been drastic I'm told so it seems like he's going to what I'm inferring from this is that he's going to probably finish out the season with the Colts, right? Like the trade, the, the biggest trade destination was Miami. With A-Chan breaking out, there's, there's really no need from the trade for a running back. I mean, 
maybe the Rams trade for Jonathan Taylor. But even if that happens, if he gets traded to the Rams, Jonathan Taylor to the moon. If he gets traded to the Browns, Jonathan Taylor to the moon. Like across the board, it's pretty much great. It really just comes down to the injury. So just monitor how he does in practice and if he's a full participant moving forward. But it seems like he's on the other side of that. I imagine he's just looking at this Colts team. Uh, team Shane Steichen's an absolute mastermind genius with the way that he's using personnel and motions. And I'm not really a film guy, but he has this one play that he's been running on the goal line where it's like a motion RPO where Anthony Richardson can read the flat. You have the, I think you have somebody in motion that kind of clears out on like a wheelish route. You have a flat underneath, you read the flat. And if that's not there, you then have like this H back tight end in motion, sort of pulling through this hole. Like it is a, it's a really sick uh, concept. Like Shane Steichen, I mean, I don't, I can't praise Shane Steichen enough. He he looks like the real deal as a coach. So I imagine, I mean, they're two and two. They're competitive in every game, right? They, they gave the Rams a run for their money this week. I imagine Jonathan Taylor is looking at the team and is like, you know, they were garbage last year. This is a team I probably want to be a part of. And he steps right into an amazing environment where Jonathan Taylor is truly the missing piece right now, where this offense has been great. It's been clicking, but they have the second worst EPA per play rush offense right now, which EPA per play is just expected points added on a per play basis, expected points added on a given down and distance on a certain part of the field. You're expected to score X amount of points on a per play basis. Are you exceeding your expectation in terms of points or going underneath it? You know, what are you doing on a per play basis to help your team score points versus the expectation? So, their rushing offense outside of Anthony Richardson isn't great right now. So you can slot Jonathan Taylor in and he steps into this environment that is going to be really fruitful for a running back where the Colts are running a up-tempo, high-paced offense. They're scoring points, right? They're second in neutral pace, 14th in points scored, and they're a run-heavy team. It's very rare you see a team that plays with tempo and gets to the line, but then also wants to run a lot, which is really exciting where you're running up-tempo, you're running the ball, you're fatiguing the defense like it is it would be so sweet for Jonathan Taylor to just get injected right in here where you have that environment their offensive line is much better this year they have the ninth best run block win rate uh, at 73 percent per next gen stats on ESPN analytics and their RB1's touch count in each game which would be Deion Jackson Zach Moss Zach Moss Zach Moss 17 touches 22 touches 32 touches 18 touches I mean if Jonathan Taylor can see 15 plus touches in every single game on this Colts offense, we're talking about a top five running back rest of the season. We just have to see it first. So that's why he's like my RB9 right now, but very exciting, stepping into an amazing spot here. Again, I think it really just all comes down to the injury stuff. Now, I'm not all that concerned. It seems like, you know, he had the entire offseason to recover, but friend of the channel, Tom Christ, we have him on every Saturday, injury expert. He's a little bit more skeptical than me. He apparently had a high ankle sprain three times last year, then got cleanup surgery on that, and he's a little bit iffy on the re-injury risk of that ankle. So we'll see. My thoughts are he had the entire offseason to recover. He then had an additional four weeks, and it seems like he's on the other side of those injury concerns. So next up, we have Devin Achan. I didn't really get to, I mean, we talked about him a little bit in the top 10 lessons learned, but not a ton. But Devin Achan goes from my RB21 to my RB11 in the rest of season rankings. I moved him up 10 spots because, you know, Fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, where this was not a fluke. We now, I mean, it's just a two-game sample, but we now have a two-game sample of him absolutely crushing. He's just super explosive. He turned 11 touches against Buffalo, which is a top-five defense, into 27 fantasy points. Like, it's insane. He didn't even play in week one, and he's the RB4 overall in fantasy football. Like, he has just been 
that guy. This is a tweet from Brad Spielberg saying he has 26 carries for 304 yards. That's 11 points. <laughs> he has an 11.7 yards per carry on 26 carries, four touchdowns. He has the best PFF rushing grade in the NFL. He has 11 missed tackles forced, which is 0.42 per attempt. First in the NFL, 7.1 yards after contact per attempt. First in the NFL, also seven receptions, two receiving touchdowns, four more missed tackles forced. I mean, it's just... It's insane what he's doing. He's going to be splitting work with Raheem Mostert, potentially Jeff Wilson, but there is plenty to go around, first of all, where Hayden does a really cool uh, usage by team where he finds the expected points, so just based on your volume, your red zone touches, your goal line touches, targets, ADOT, how much how much usage are you giving to your running backs? Now, people might say, oh, well, there's only so much volume to go around. Volume is one thing, but usage also attracts the valuable touches, right? So, if you get a goal line carry, like one goal, I, I don't know the true conversion, but one goal line carry might be the same as like four or five between the 20s carries, you know? So it's not so much these are the teams giving the most volume to running backs, but just like the the most fantasy viable usage to running backs. And the Dolphins are third in the NFL behind the Cowboys and the Lions. So there's plenty to go around. And at this point, I'm not scared of Mostert. I'm not scared of Jeff Wilson. HN has shown that he earned his spot in this offense. He's amazing. Uh, he also ran a route on 68% of dropbacks this week, which was a season high. Pretty much if we can get a full-time role there, it's like 55% or more of the routes, then it's wheels all the way up. It's all over. If he's going to be catching passes and being this explosive, HN for me is a back-end RB1 rest of the season. Again, in a pretty brutal RB landscape, Devin HN or Devin HN is just undeniable at this point. Like, he could break fantasy. He is on a Jamal Charles type burner here uh through the first four games now the next player we have here is alvin kamara who we did touch on in the top 10 lessons learned video but i didn't really look through his usage too too much here he goes from the rb17 to my rb12 here so he's now like a fringe rb1 i moved him up five spots here because i wanted to see if he'd be featured i wanted to see if he'd be washed in this offense and he looked fine his usage was also really really juicy he did have 13 catches he had 21.4 PBR points. He was the RB9 on the week. But this tweet here, I used his usage stats instead of the volume, right? The volume was there because we can see, I mean, I brought up the screenshot like a billion times this week, but Derek Carr was not himself this week. He was awful. 0.4 air yards per completion. You can see he was completing passes literally just behind the, the first down marker. Alvin Kamara set a record for 13 catches with the least amount of receiving yards at 33 receiving yards. It, it was just a super horizontal offense with this Derek Carr injury. I imagine he bounces back sooner rather than later. He was about a league average quarterback before that, which is going to be just fine for a guy like Alvin Kamara. Now, when we look at his role. He had 75% of the snaps, 70% of the routes, 61% of the rushes. If we just sort of filter that down to 65% of the snaps or more, 60% of the routes or more, 55% of the rush attempts or more across the entire NFL. You have McCaffrey, Travis Etienne, Kyron Williams, end of list. The role that Calvin Kamara has right now or that he showed in week one, again, we, we sort of lowered things down even. We lowered the snap percentage by 10%, the route percentage by 10%, and the rush percentage by 6%. So this isn't even like his ceiling or, or you know, it's not even like his capped out or being kind of friendly here with the rest of the landscape and still very na narrow group of players with that kind of volume so to me with Jamal Williams on IR and this kind of role he's a fringe RB1 rest of season for me now next up we have Hollywood Brown going from my wide receiver 38 to my wide receiver 29 I moved him up nine spots here I mean the assumption was that this offense was going to suck 
and they have just outperformed all expectations. This Cardinals offense and EPA per play is the 10th best offense in the NFL. I mean, everybody in front of them, I mean, the list checks out. I mean, those have all been good offenses this year. You know, Dolphins, 49ers, Bills, Cowboys, Chiefs, and like the Cardinals, I don't know. But if you're going to have a team like this where they're the 10th best EPA per play offense, they're 18th in points scored, and Marquise Brown is going to be the wide receiver 15 in target trail like he is right now and the wide receiver 21 in expected points per game, then he's like a borderline wide receiver two rest of season. So I've been discounting Marquise Brown saying, you know what, the, the Cardinals are no way that this offense is going to sustain, but it seems like it is at this point. You have Kyler Murray waiting in the wings for whenever Josh Dobbs potentially pumpkins at some point, but Marquise Brown, I think he has to be a fringy wide receiver two moving forward. Now, after that, we have Isaiah Pacheco, who had a little bit of a rocky start to the season, but he's balling right now. Like he, he, I, I moved him from my wide, my RB thirty one to my RB twenty five, so moved him up six spots, upgraded from an RB three to like a fringy RB two, and he is just balling out. Like he actually is really good right now. Where he, his role right now isn't all that different from DeAndre Swift's. Where DeAndre Swift, uh, now I think DeAndre Swift can catch passes better than Pacheco. He's just not being used there. I'm just talking about their roles and their usage right at this very second, sort of similar, where they're just really efficient between the tackles backs on high-powered offenses. But Isaiah Pacheco here, look at EPA per rush, rushing yards over expected per rush. Of course, you have Devin Achain just blowing the entire thing out of the water, but Isaiah Pacheco is in this area of like McCaffrey, Swift, Nick Chubb, Kenneth Walker. Like he is, he's keeping pace. You know, anybody in like that top right quadrant is doing pretty well between the tackles. Isaiah Pacheco at the top of that, he has the fourth most runs of 10 or more yards. He has the fifth most missed tackles force in the NFL, eighth in yards after contact per attempt. Like, he is not just a grinder on a good team. He is a efficient back on a good team, which is really important to, you know, sort of note that difference where versus the Jets. The Jets are an amazing run defense. I think that they have, I was looking at the ESPN analytics, they have like a run stuff win rate or whatever. The Jets have like three of the top eight uh, edge run stuffers and uh, JFM, Michael Clemens, Jermaine Johnson. Like the, like the Jets have been known to stop the run, right? Like they shut down Ramondre. I don't think Pollard did too, too well against them. Uh, James Cook or whatever wasn't heard of. They're an amazing run defense, this Jets defense. And Isaiah Pacheco ran for like 100 plus yards on them. I don't know the last time somebody ran for 100 plus yards on the Jets. It's probably last year is my assumption, but... He looked amazing. He set his season high in snap percentage at 63%. And this is a good thing where this backfield is starting to consolidate where Clyde Edwards-Alaire, his snaps go 23%, 16%, 31%. And then in week four, down to 9%. So he actually, he played a good bit in week three, but you can see like under 10% of the snaps for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. If that diminishes and this just becomes sort of a two-man backfield, Pacheco's going to be a top, you know, he's going to be an RB2 rest of the way. And like I said, if we look at expected points per game, like Isaiah Pacheco is right next to DeAndre Swift there. DeAndre Swift, 15.3 points per game. Isaiah Pacheco, 14.6. But they're both in that 14.5 expected points per game. Now, to be fair, uh, DeAndre Swift laid a complete goose egg in week one behind Kenneth Gainwell. So it's not like the most even thing of all time, but I'm just trying to show like Isaiah Pacheco, he's getting the volume, he's getting the usage. For a guy I didn't love going into the season, uh, and I don't really love his archetype. I mean, he is showing as a seventh round pick, he is running hard. He's running fast. He's efficient. Again, RB2 in volume right now, expected points per game. He should probably be, probably be treated as such. Now, moving on from that, our last player here, our six players skyrocketing up rankings this week, Christian Kirk. Now, the biggest concern for Christian Kirk heading into the season and in week one is that in two wide receiver sets, 
Zay Jones got that nod. And you can see in week one, he was only out there for 66% of the routes, 6% of the targets. So I moved him way down the rankings. Every week I moved him up since then, where, you know, he had three straight top 24 finishes. He's had 84% of the routes or more. His routes just keep on climbing. And I moved him from my wide receiver 36 to my wide receiver 30. So six spots up. I now have him as like a mid-range wide receiver three. I'm open to moving him up higher than that as well. You have to upgrade him, upgrade him, but you can't get too carried away because Zay Jones is going to come back. But the thing with Zay Jones is Christian Kirk might have beat him out for that wide receiver two role in two wide receiver sets or at least got it so it's now a split, right? So instead of being like a 66% route guy, maybe more like an 80% route guy. So we'll see how that looks when Zay Jones comes back. It's something definitely to monitor these next few weeks, sort of what that role and what that push and, you know, that push and take kind of shakes out there on the Jaguars. Now that's going to do it for us today, fellas. Again, if you want access to my entire rest of season rankings, they are on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. On top of the rest of season rankings, you get my weekly rankings. You get my uh, weekly wa- waiver wire and fab guide article. You get my uh, start sit stream every Sunday. You get a billion things on there. It's all on the Patreon. You can find the description in the comment section down below. Again, underdogs running the exclusive pick tonight. But if you can't support there, leave a like subscribe and as always i will see you guys in the next one